All right, good morning, good morning. Good to see you guys. Everybody doing all right today? You doing good? Okay, this is gonna be a great service for eight people in this room. I can't wait to talk to you eight people. The rest of y'all, I don't know what you're gonna do. I guess just sit there and draw pictures on the back of the tithes and offerings envelope because that's what your kids do. I pick them up every week, I know. Uh, Hey, the message today, I'm just gonna be totally honest, transparent. I, I spend a lot of time every week I'm getting ready for the message, and uh, I, I probably, I don't know, it's, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of, of 20 to 30-something hours every week that I, I, I spend preparing the message, and it's not really because it's like, man, it's just such a deep, profound word. It's mostly just because I'm really not that smart, and it takes me a long time to get stuff, and, uh, and, and I, I just want to be prepared because I believe that God honors it when you, when you put the time, the energy, and effort. And, uh, and by the grace of God, you know, he shows up. But, but even getting the message ready this week, it's just been a little bit more difficult for it just to, to really get in my, my soul. And so I was, I was talking to God about it. And because and, uh, and today we're, we're starting a two-week series really on, on prayer and worship and fasting. And, and so we're talking about prayer and fasting today. And when you talk about prayer and fasting, it it is not an easy message necessarily to communicate uh, because people have a lot of misconceptions about it or people are uncomfortable with it. Uh, And so as I was just having conversation with God about the word today, I felt like this morning, I was even reworking some stuff in my message this morning, which I never do. Usually by Saturday night, it's locked in. I'm not going to move anything. It's, it's pretty much, unless the Holy Spirit specifically tells me to do something. And I felt like he did. And so I was moving stuff around. But even this morning, I felt like the Lord told me, this is not, not going to be a powerful word in the hearing, but it can be the most powerful word in the doing. But this is only going to have power in your life if you make the decision that this is not going to be just something that you listen to but something that you apply. Now, because I was moving stuff around this morning, typically I don't have to stick to my notes too much. I can move around on the stage a little bit, but, but I'm gonna stick to them a little bit more. We're gonna talk about fasting. I wanna give you some context as to why this is so important. Why do you need to set aside specific time when you're seeking the Lord and while you're praying. And what is this whole fasting thing about? I wanna, I wanna address some things that fasting is and in, in the process of that, we're gonna be able to identify, identify some things that fasting is not. But uh, I think a good way to kind of describe why this is important, uh, I guess about a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, Cody and I cleaned out our closet, which when you clean out your closet, you know that, that it's basically like torture. Uh, there's nothing fun about cleaning out a closet and, and, but it was, it's one of those things like when you get done with the holidays and everything and, and she started with going through all the kids closets and all that and just purging, um, which is is awesome. I love purging stuff. How many guys like to just throw stuff away? It just makes you feel better about your life. How many of you are the opposite and you keep everything? Okay. We're going to talk to you in a second too. Uh, but but, as we're, but then it was our closet's time. And so I went through, went through, you know, you got to pull everything out. You got to pull all your clothes out. You got to decide. And, and that can be a, a very embarrassing process because you realize some of the things that you thought were cool to wear at different points. And you've still kept on them because, you know, you've got that. Well, no, I haven't worn it in three years. But what if, you know? What if I need that particular shirt, that particular cup? But you go through and you start clearing all that stuff out. And, and I enjoy that part of the process. I like getting rid of stuff. And, and, uh, I, I, and I, went through, I went through my section, which percentage-wise, if you go with the square footage of our closet, <laughs> the percentage that I'm using is approximately 15% of the entire space of the closet. Uh, but so it didn't take me that long. I thought I did a good job. I had to go and do something. And I left. When I came back, the, the job that I thought that I had done well was not good enough, apparently, uh, because Cody did some more work on my section of the closet. And, and this is what happens in our house. When, 
when things get reorganized or things get cleaned up, like in, in our bathroom or in our closet, what really happens is things get cleaned up, but she lays siege to a section that was previously mine. Like I got back and like two shelves that used to be mine now have her stuff on it. And I was like, hold on, I thought we cleaned out. You shouldn't have more stuff that you need more space for. You should have less. But, she, but so anyway, so it's just not a lot of fun to do that, but it's a necessary thing to do. How many of you ever clean out your garage before? Anybody ever clean out your garage before? Mm-hmm. Lost your salvation on that one, didn't you? <laughs> Had to get it back. But you got to do this thing. It's not, it's not something somebody else is going to do for you. You know, you're not calling up your friends. Hey, man, I'm cleaning out my garage today. Come on over. Those are not words that are ever formulated in the human language. Like that just doesn't happen because it's ridiculous. It's not going to happen. You have to do it. But the best way to do is you got to pull everything out. Everything. And then you, and then you got to clean. But as you're going through this thing, it's just not really what cleaning out the garage is. It's about 20% cleaning, 10% playing with the new stuff that you forgot you had, you know, that you found and now you're messing with. And then like 70% complaining that you're having to do the whole process. That's what cleaning out the garage is. But when you do it, you've got to figure out what needs to be thrown away, what needs to be put in a new spot, what needs to go back, but maybe it just wasn't in a good area. You gotta find a new area. Maybe it's a new container that something needs to go in that'll help organize what's going on in your garage. And if you're having a hard time getting into this process, doing this process, I would encourage you, just go and watch one episode of the show, Hoarders. It will motivate you like you wouldn't believe. In fact, you'll watch that show and be like, I don't have to do anything because I am amazing in comparison to these people. But if you've ever watched this show, I don't even know if it's run anymore. You may have to watch a rerun somewhere. But basically, there's these people, they're hoarders. And they... Different people, they hoard different things. Some of them hoard food, which are the nastiest ones for sure. But then other people, they just hoard random stuff. But, and, and, and I will say there's a large percentage of hoarders that are cat people. I'm just throwing that out there. I'm throwing that out there. But, but what will happen, the show will come in and pay. The show will pay to bring workers and trucks and, and, and dumpsters and everything in to help clean these people's houses up. And as they're going through this, I mean, it is, it, is, it is a very tough show to watch because of how nasty these people have allowed their lives to get. Like as they're uncomfortable, they find dead animals and they, they just, there's feces everywhere. And, they, and, you know, and then they find underneath all this stuff, they, found their, they find their valuables. They find the stuff that was supposed to be there but you couldn't even recognize what was supposed to be there because of everything else. And there's just so much stuff that really just serves absolutely no purpose at all. But the thing is, when, these, when the show gets there to start cleaning things up, the people that are in these houses have a really difficult time with this. Like emotional, psychological breakdowns as these people are just trying to help them get rid of this stuff. And the interesting thing is the very thing that will give them peace in their life is the very thing that they don't want to do. Well, I find that cleaning a garage or a closet out is much like our soul. I, I find that there are a lot of times when we have just, not intentionally, sometimes intentionally, but we have just allowed a lot of stuff to crowd into our souls into our lives, into our homes, into our families, into relationships. And I think that there's some stuff that needs to go in our soul, but it needs to be refurbished. It needs to be cleaned up. 
Some things need to be repurposed. Some things need to go away completely. In John chapter 1, verse 23, John replied in the words of the prophet Isaiah, I am a voice shouting in the wilderness, clear the way for the Lord's coming. In other words, you've got to make some room. This is, he is saying Jesus is coming, but he is passionately pleading. If you want him to be able to show up in your life, there's got to be some room for him. There's got to be some room in your schedule. There's got to be some room in your priorities if you want to see Jesus show up. Sometimes the church is like cleaning a garage. Sometimes our campus, we need to go and look at what are we doing and are we doing what is a priority to the heart of God? Are we doing what's really important or are we just kind of filling this place with stuff our schedule with stuff that isn't really hitting our purpose. We got to a place this last year as a church, church-wide, where we were having a difficult time finding places that we could schedule prayer meetings because of how many events and activities were happening. That is a problem. And so we realized we need to clean the garage. We need to figure out what we need to do as a church. But what this week is about and what we're asking you is, what does the garage of your life look like? Is there some reorganizing that needs to happen? It's clear to me that some of you do because I see how much turmoil your life is in. Like you, you don't have peace. And, and a lot of times when you come for help and we want to help, the issues that you want us to help with are just topical issues. They're not root issues. They're not really dealing with the real issue. And, and so what this message is about, what this time is about is let's look and be really honest with where we're at. And if we need to get rid of some stuff, let's get rid of it. Why? Because we need to get that peace back. In Job 3, 26, it says, I have no peace. I have no quiet. I have no rest. And trouble keeps coming. That's not a very encouraging verse. But that is exactly how some of you are living right now. You're living in that place. Truth is, there's, there's going to be difficulties. There's going to be hard seasons of your life, situation and circumstance, they're gonna be happening. I think our walk with God is kind of like blessing and battle run together. There may be some blessing in one area of your life, but you're fighting a battle in another area. And when that's happening, you've gotta know what is at the core of who you are that's helping you deal with those battles. Jesus was facing battles as he was approaching his time when, when he was gonna be on the cross. In the Garden of Gethsemane, this is after Judas, one of his very best friends, had made the decision to sell him for some money, to betray him. And so Jesus takes the rest of the disciples and they're in this garden and he asks them to keep watch, depending on the translation, he's asking them to be in prayer. Be in prayer. Just be in prayer with me. And he goes by himself and he is pouring his heart out to his heavenly father about what he's getting ready to face. And he says the same prayer actually three times. And it's this prayer. It says in verse 39 of chapter 26 of Matthew, he went a little further. He fell on his face in the ground and prayed, my father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. And so he'd pray this, and then he'd go back to see what the disciples are doing. He went back to the disciples, and they're sleeping. And so this is the closest that Jesus really ever got to condemning his disciples. He was always so life-giving, but this is one time where it feels like, man, he's really, he tells them, can you not pray for one hour? 
You're my best friends. You're the people I've lived life with. Can you not? And then he would go back by himself and pray the same prayer. And then he went back to the disciples. They're asleep again. But I think what he says in this prayer is the best way. It describes what prayer really is better than anything that I could ever say. My father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me. He's talking about the cross. He's saying, if there's any way that I don't have to go through this, that would be swell. Yet not as I will, but as you will. I think that is what we're going to do this week. As your pastor, it's not just my job to, to teach and to preach to you. I need to be able to lead you through the different seasons that we have as church. And because we have different seasons as a church. We have seasons of vision. That's where we're just talking about everything we believe that God is asking us to do in the future. And, and we're a church that's chock full of vision. I mean, we're, not, we're, we're launching another campus today. You know, we're going to keep reaching the state of Arkansas. We're always going to have vision for our city and our community and what God is doing here. So there's seasons when we have that. We also have seasons of evangelism. Uh, really, we're coming out of, of, of a season like that where it, everything is focused on bringing in unchurched, de-churched people, reaching friends and neighbors. And, and so we had Thanksgiving where we... We fed thousands of people across the state. We had our Christmas while we gave out thousands of gifts and gave kids Christmas that couldn't have otherwise had it. Candlelight service. We had 31,000, over 31,000 people attend candlelight services across the state. We had almost 3,000 people attend candlelight services here, got to hear the true message of what Christmas is really about. God has done amazing things. I'll tell you, I, I, I was really, I'm as amped up after all of that. I was tired. Like I went home and put on a violent movie and fell asleep to gunshots going off. Like that, that I, but this is a season right now where we're not doing one event. Because the whole thing, out of everything that we do, this is the most important because this is where we say, but not our will, yours. What do you want to do? God is outside of time and space, but he understands that like when we get a new year in our hearts and our minds, it's an opportunity of dedication. And so the question is, are we committing everything that he wants to do in us and through us this year to him? I will say, though, that sometimes prayer and fasting can feel really laborious to me. Like, it would be so much easier. Like, God, I just want to go get on my knees and pray for like 15 minutes, get up, and you fix stuff. Like, can we have that arrangement? <laughs> and, and it usually doesn't work that way. It, it takes a lot of work. But I've learned that prayer is not trying to change God's mind or persuade God. That is not what prayer is about. It's about changing me. It's about changing the environment around what I have to live in and through. It's about changing the environment around the problem. Let me give you an example. If you are having a difficult time in relationship with someone, let's just say you may struggle with gossiping about a person. I would encourage you to start praying for that person because it is really difficult to gossip about somebody while you're praying for them. Like, it gets really awkward. Like, when you're praying, you're, you're asking God to bless somebody, to move in somebody's life. It's going to be really difficult to then go call up your girlfriend or your boyfriend and talk to them about this person. I can tell that a lot of you did not pray for Obama. I can tell a lot of you are not praying for our current president. And some of y'all need to start praying for Oprah too because I've seen some stuff out on there on that too. But I promise you, if you will pray, it'll change you. And that's what the will of God is. Not necessarily that you change everybody else, but that you 
get changed. So some things about fasting. Fasting is the best thing you can do for your family, uh, including your future family. Maybe you don't have a family right now. Maybe you're single. Um, but prayer and fasting is one of the best things that you can do for your family. It says in Job 1.5, when a period of feasting had run its course, he prayed that it might, that it may be that his children have sinned. Okay, so he prayed. He actually prayed and fasted. Now here's the deal. There's no indication around this scripture that his kids or his family were fasting. But Job knew this. He's like, if there's a season of feasting, anytime this season of feasting comes up, people are vulnerable. And I think there's a really good chance that when people are vulnerable, that they could fall into sin. They could fall into secret sin. And so I don't, there's no indication that they actually did fall into sin, but he prayed and fasted for them so that they didn't. Some of you are struggling with a, a kid in your house, a relationship, you're struggling. I would encourage you to ask the Lord to seek him Maybe pray and fast about that situation, about that person. Prayer and fasting is intimidating. I kind of already talked about that. It's like, it's, it sends kind of like, a, like a, a little chill up your spine when you say the word fasting. It's right up there with saying the word prayer. Like when you, when you say these words, it can be incredibly intimidating because it just seems like, man, that's hard. In the culture of entertainment and self-gratification and just pleasure, it's like unheard of that people would sacrifice something. And that's why it's so hard. Because fasting is not fun. Like I've never been in a spot where it's like, man, even this week, this morning, thinking about the fast, like it makes me a little nervous. Like I'm not looking forward to this because it's not like, it's not fun. In your flesh, it stinks. I know this is really encouraging to you this morning. <laughs> it's gonna take sacrifice. And here's the thing, you're not sacrificing bad things. You're sacrificing things that are good. They're not necessarily bad, they're good things. Food is good. Can I get an amen? I love food. I love food. I work out not because I like to work out. I work out so I can eat whatever I want to eat because I like food. In fact, it, you can ask my wife, if I'm not eating, you know, there's some other things could happen in my life and it'll be difficult, but I'll deal with it. You know, burn my car down. Okay, bury all my clothes, whatever. Burn your initials in my yard. But if you take away my food, I will cut you. <laughs> Especially my nachos. Listen, okay, here's the deal. You wanna see me get in the flesh? I can make an amazing plate of nachos. If you come over after I have put the time and the effort and you come over with your grubby little hands and try to take one of my nachos off of my plate, it, it's gonna get real. I love food, so why do I fast? Because it's kind of like me saying, God, I love a double meat cheeseburger. I love it, Lord. With bacon, Lord. But I love you more. And I want you more. Because you are all that satisfies. None of that other stuff will satisfy. There's this time in, in Daniel when he, he's reading actually the prophet Jeremiah, he's a prophet, he's reading the prophet Jeremiah, and he, he realizes Jeremiah wrote that in 70 years that God was going to move. So Daniel does the math, he's like, oh my goodness, it's almost been 70 years, but the people of Israel were not ready. They weren't ready. And so he went to the Lord, 
Daniel chapter nine, verse three says, so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and petition and fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord, my God, and confessed, Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and have done wrong. Now, there's no indication that Daniel didn't do anything wrong, but as a leader, he is taking personal responsibility for the people that he's leading and saying, we've sinned. We've sinned. We've been wicked and have rebelled and we've turned away from your commandments and laws. We and our kings and our princes and our ancestors are covered in shame, Lord, because we have sinned against you. And so he declared a fast over the nation. He declared a fast over the nation. You know, this has happened in our nation before. Abraham Lincoln actually declared a fast for the whole nation one time. He wrote a letter to every church in the nation and call them to a fast. Could you imagine <laughs> if a president even tried to do that now? <laughs> Amazing. We're gonna celebrate Martin Luther King tomorrow. Man, he, he was a man of prayer. He was a man that understood that if you wanna see things move, you're gonna have to commit yourself to the will of God, not your agenda, not what you're trying to get done, but what God wants to do. But if you humble yourself and do that, he'll show up. Fasting is not a casual approach to God. It's something else that's important to know about it. When you treat fasting or, or seeking or praying, when you treat that casually, when you treat your approach to God casually, it makes you ill-equipped for the purpose that he made you for. Joel 2 Verse 12 through 13, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart. Don't be casual about this with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Okay, so he's not saying, this is not about the outward appearance of what you're doing. I want your heart, but if you'll give that to me, if you'll surrender that to me, return to the Lord your God, and he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Look, many churches today, including this church, for, on the whole, like, they have very dr uh, casual dress codes, okay? Uh, I've, I've been to some, some churches in Florida, and at different times of the year, everybody in the service would be wearing flip-flops, super casual, okay? And I'm not saying that's either good or bad. Uh, I, I don't mind having a casual dress code here as a church. In fact, our dress code is basically, yes, please, please wear clothes. That's what we just would ask that you do that, please. But you can be casual in your dress, but you cannot be casual in your approach to the holiness of God. You have to understand he is still a holy God. And so this is not something that we wanna just casually approach. Look, David was casual at one point in his relationship with God. He was casual and he fell into sin. And we all know this story, but he was supposed to be off at war with the rest of the kings and the rest of the leaders. There were seasons of war. There were times of war. And he was supposed to be leading his nation in war. He was casual in his purpose. He was casual in the things that God asked him to do. And during that time of being casual, that's when he saw Bathsheba. That's when he fell into sin with her. And then to cover up the sin, he committed murder to cover up the sin. When he said no to the call or to the war that he was born for, he faced a conflict that he had absolutely no grace for. And the same thing will happen in our lives if we're casual in our approach to God. We can't be casual. Real quick analogy, uh, Cody and I, we like movies and all that, but what we started doing, we started watching almost every movie we watch, we watch it through VidAngel. If you don't know what that is and you look it up, it, it could help your family and you out a lot. But basically, on VidAngel, you can watch movies and shows, but with filters. And you can set up the filters however you want to set them up. So it filters all the junk out. It filters out the sex and the cussing and all that kind of stuff. And so, But we were in the mood for a war movie. And so we're on VidAngel, and we found a movie that we thought, man, this, that, it looks good. And we went into the filters. But under language, under language, there, it only had like three cuss words. 
And that's when Cody said, there's no way that's a good war movie. There's no way it could be a good war movie with only three cuss words, you know, because my wife's a cusser face and she, she likes all that stuff. So <laughs> she's the opposite of that, which was one of the reasons why that, that moment was a very proud moment for me as her husband, because I'm like, yes, you're right. Because there's no way that in war, when things are intense and violent, and passionate that they could be going around there and be like, well, shoot, darn it, guys, here comes the Nazis. <laughs> like, they're not gonna talk like that. But it made me think about how I pray sometimes. So here's a question I have for you. Does the language of your prayer life meet the intensity and the passion and the necessity for the battle you're in. You need to have rated R prayers. I'm not encouraging you to drop F-bombs while you're praying. I'm saying let the intensity, let the passion, and let the fire of your prayers mean something before the holiness of God. Another thing about prayer and fasting is it'll have you searching the word of the Lord. I guarantee you this, we're gonna be spending more time in the Bible. Some of you will spend more time in the Bible. If you engage in this, if you decide, this is what, something what I'm gonna do, you'll probably spend more time in the Bible than maybe ever. It'll help you get into the word of God. And I promise you, if you will pray and fast as you read the word of God, he will unveil revelation to you in verses that you have read thousands of times, he will show you something new and something different. Prayer and fasting is for the weak, not the strong. Prayer and fasting is for the weak, not the strong. James 4, it says, come to me, near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded, okay? That is clearly him saying, look, we've all, we're all sinners. We all need to repent. We all need prayer. We all, there's a false conception that like prayer and fasting is for super spiritual people. You know, like monks pray and fast. I'm not a monk, you know, like pastors do that. That is not the case. And you may say, oh, I'm just not strong enough to fast. Perfect. Perfect. Some of you are like, I don't pray, much less fast. You're the perfect candidate to pray and fast. You say, I'm not strong enough? Perfect, because fasting and prayer is not for strong people. It's for weak people. When people fasted in the Bible, it was to try to get strong again, to get closer to God again, because they'd gotten away from him. This old couple driving down the road in their truck, and he's driving, and she's, she's all the way across on the, at the passenger window, looking out the window, they came to a, a stoplight and, and another truck pulled up next to him. There's a couple in that truck, a, a younger couple. But in that truck, the wife or the girlfriend was right up next to because they had trucks, you know, at one point or another where you could sit right next to the driver, like all the way next to him. And there was like, she was like on him driving, like no room for the Holy Spirit. And, and, and the wife looked over at this young couple and said, you know, we used to ride around in the truck like that. The husband's like, yep. And wife says, well, why don't we anymore? What happened? The husband said, well, I didn't move. <laughs> I'm driving. God didn't move, maybe you did. Maybe you did. Prayer and fasting is for disjointed people that have figured out, man, I've, I've gotten a little way from God and it's time for me to get back close to God. It's for the spiritually weak. And I love hearing stories about people that have really no context for fasting. One time, we, back in the day, we used to do 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
how many are all thankful that we're only doing a week? Come on now, don't act like you're super holy. You can thank God we're doing a week, okay? Because we used to do 21 days. Well, at the end of 21 days, one time, this guy came up to us and he says, man, prayer and fasting, man, that was rough. I prayed, I prayed, I fasted smoking weed for 21 days. <laughs> we're just like, that is good. Then he said this. He's like, thank God that's over. <laughs> We're all thinking you should be fasting food, not stuff that makes you hungry. But anyway, but I like that story because I like it when people that know they don't have it together give God a try. I've heard people say, I've tried everything in my relationship. I've tried everything in my relationship with God everything to be successful in my relationship with God, to fall more in love with him. But most people that I've talked to have not tried fasting and prayer. If you think you're not strong enough, you're not a spiritual enough believer, you're the perfect candidate. Fasting doesn't earn you points from God. You won't get favor this way. It is the grace of God. It's the love of God that reaches out to you. And fasting doesn't manipulate God. <laughs> fasting just gets you ready for God, for what he wants to do. Fasting gets you ready for God, not God ready for you. Because some of you, you would like that. You would prefer to be mo motivated through fear. But that's not what fasting is about. I could very easily come in here and be like, look, if you fast God, fast and God won't be mad at you anymore. But if you fast and you'll go to heaven, otherwise, probably hell. Hell is hot. If you fast, your sins will not count against you. The cross took care of your sins. The cross took care of all of that. It, you, you, you're not going to fast to get more grace from God. His grace is full, no matter. In fact, I think you could overdo it really easily. You could get into a place where you're just doing it out of works. I did that once. I fasted, and I fasted hard. I, I think I just did... It was just a water fast or maybe just juice, and I was doing it for a long time, but I tried to still keep going to work and still keep trying to work hard. But then it just became a battle of my will, not a surrender of my spirit. And, and it, didn't earn, it didn't get me anywhere in my relationship with God. It just got really frustrating. Fasting is saying, not my will, but your will be done. Fasting is a sacrifice that leads to sorrow of sin. In other words, humility, teachability. It can bring that. Psalm 51, 17 says, My sacrifice to God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Such, O oh God, you will not despise. God is looking for a broken heart, a broken spirit. Because when you get broken before God, fasting doesn't just bring you to a place where you're broken in an understanding of, of different areas you may be sinning in your life. It also helps you be prepared for the next time that sin tries to come back into your life. It sets you up. But it, it, the only way it sets you up is if you stay in that place of brokenness. If you stay in a place of teachability. When you stay in that place, though, I find the people that are broken have more exact decision-making the next time a potential issue comes up because they're already broken before the Lord. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Fasting is an invitation, not a requirement. Not a requirement. An invitation, not a requirement. About a month ago, this lady came up to one of our campus pastor's wives and the the pastor's son was, was with the, the mom, with the wife. And this lady says, man, I have got to lose 15 to 20 pounds and I've got to lose it now. And the little boy pipes up and says, 
well, just chill. In January, my daddy's going to make everybody pray and fast, and you'll lose it real quick just then. <laughs> We're not making you do anything. We're not going to, we don't, we've never made anybody do anything. This is an invitation. It's something that God is not making you do. We're not making you do. It's not something that God will punish you for if you don't do it. It's just simply an invitation. God is going to love you. We are going to love you whether you fast or not. But when you fast, anyone who dares to trust God with this, I do believe that God gives you a supernatural grace to partner with him on things. And I like being partnered with God on things. Fasting is a spiritual discipline that is a physical act. And this is important because this is abstaining from food. It's fasting some sort of food. In fact, the word fasting means to cover your mouth to some degree, to fast. Now, I, I don't think it's a bad idea. You may say, well, I'm going to fast some media. Great. But that's not a fast. That's like an accessory to fasting. It can help you be more engaged. And I think it would be a good idea, maybe, in addition to something food or something drink or, or whatever the real fast is that you add into that, maybe a little less time on Netflix, a little less time maybe with sports, a little less time with something like that. Let's face it, we could all spend a little less time on social media. We could probably spend a little less time on social media. I, I promise you, you take a week off from Facebook, it'll still be there when you get back. <laughs> like, it, I promise. But some of us, we've spent so much time on social media, uh, I, I call you instant snap twit faces because you spend so much time, it's like become your identity. Maybe pushing that back a little bit could help. Some quick steps. How do you fast? How do you fast? Quick steps to fasting. First of all, you gotta set your objective. Set your objective. Why are you fasting? Is it, is it for spiritual renewal? Is it for guidance? Is it for healing? Is it for resolution of an issue, a problem, a relationship? Just grace to handle a situation. And I would encourage you to write it down. And then the next step would be to make your commitment. What are you committing to do? Write it down. It's important that you write down your commitment. Why? Because it's very <laughs> common for you to wind up doubting. You get three days in, you're like, I don't know if the Lord really told me to do this. Like, I think that might have been the devil, actually. <laughs> because I love coffee. <laughs> coffee loves me. You could doubt it. So I would encourage you to write down what your commitment is going to be so that you won't waver. Some other ways that you could fast, some types of fast. Maybe you do a fast where you, you fast one meal a day. You know, you pick lunch, like I'm not gonna eat lunch. Uh, maybe you only eat one meal. That's a Jewish fast. Like if you do eat one meal in the evening, uh, that, it's called a Jewish fast. Uh, I would encourage as many of you as possible to do the Daniel fast. That's the fast that I'm gonna do. And uh, we've got a slide that kind of describes what that is, so you, you can know. <laughs> okay. Stuff that you can eat, whole grains, fruits, vegetables, liquids, nuts, and seeds. So basically everything without taste. <laughs> and then <laughs> things you don't eat, meat, poultry or fish, sugar, dairy, yeast. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Lord. But that's, that's what we're going to do. And, and uh, Cody and I are doing that together, but we're not making, we're, we're going to try to do that as a, as a family, which y'all can pray for us because there's no telling what kind of manifestation is going to come out of my children for the next week. But that would be a Daniel fast. Uh, for some of you, it might just be like no sweets, no sugar. That's what I'm getting rid of. No sweets, no sugar. Um, there's been times we've done that with our kids. Uh, but the problem is, like, we didn't require the whole church to do that. So they still went to Kid Life. And they get candy in Kid Life. You know, so they would just store all the candy while they were fasting. And uh, I found it at one point or another. But 
anyway, moving on from that, but maybe no sweets. Uh, maybe it's something physical or a social activity that you're gonna add to that. It's just gonna help you keep that much more focus. I think it's important for you to set how much time each day you're gonna devote yourself to prayer and to God's word. Um, you've gotta be intentional with that. If you just do get rid of something, but you're not adding the spiritual element, you're probably gonna miss out on what you could be getting. Step three, just prepare yourself spiritually. Fast is about God. So don't get preoccupied with what you're doing or not doing or what you're eating or not eating, what you're not watching on your phone. Anytime that comes about, that's a great time for you to engage with God and just be like, okay, yeah, I would rather be doing those things right now. That's why it's such a great reminder. Like, because how many of you, anytime there's like any kind of pause in your day, how easy it is for you to take your phone out and just like swipe and start looking at stuff? Well, if you take, take those apps, okay, put them in a folder together and put it like four pages over on your phone. And, and when you get on your phone and you, you're like, where, where, where is my Facebook app? And then you remember, oh yeah. I need you more, God. I need you. But prepare yourself. Consider what God is asking us to do because this is what it says in Matthew 6, If you will seek the kingdom of God first and all things will be added unto us. Look, you don't see the kingdom of God without putting him first, without seeking him. So we're gonna do that together. So this is one I wanna tell you kind of what we've got going on. Tonight, we're joining together with a couple other campuses at the Searcy campus at 6.30 for worship and prayer. I'd encourage you to come out for that. There are seven snowflakes out there falling from the sky. Don't be a snowflake and not come to worship. How about that? Okay, uh, so, so if, if you can, make it tonight. And then other opportunities we have throughout the week. Every morning at six o'clock, we're gonna have this place open with worship praying where you can just come in and seek the Lord before you go to work. In the evenings uh, at 6.30, we're gonna have uh, some worship and a devotional and some time of, of corporate prayer. And that's gonna be Monday through Friday. The only thing we, only day we don't have something going on is Saturday. And then Sunday, uh, we're gonna do another message about worship. And then that night, 5.30, we're gonna have a potluck to break our fast. Come on, we, we're gonna do this right, people, okay? Please bring all the carbs and dairy. Please slaughter the fattened calf, bring it. Uh, and uh, we're, gonna, we're gonna eat and then we're gonna worship and, and, and just celebrate what God did this week. Um, but I, I just want, I'm just gonna survey. How many of you would say that you could commit to coming to at least one of those meetings throughout the week. How, how many of you can commit to that? Okay. All right. Well, that, that encourages me. I appreciate that. Um, but you will appreciate it even more. I promise you that. Let's close our eyes, bow our heads. I'm very aware that we have people in this room that this whole talk maybe maybe didn't feel like it necessarily applied to you because you don't even have a relationship with God. You're just like, look, fasting, praying, like, I don't, I've heard the name Jesus, but I, I don't have a relationship with him. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad that you got to hear this talk because if you make the decision to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you are starting off with a really, really good context of what it looks like to make him number one in your life, to pursue him, what it means to be a disciple if you're here today, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or maybe you need to rededicate your life. Maybe this talk has just reminded you of, of where you were once and, and you wanna get back there and you're ready to come back to Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you're the one of those people with no one looking around, would you be willing to confess that? Just raise your hand right now. As soon as I see your hand, you can put it down. You need Jesus. Yes, got it. Anybody else? Yes, sir, thanks. Yes, sir, thanks. Thank you, guys. Thanks for being bold with that. Anybody else? I wanna surrender my life to Jesus today. Yes, ma'am, thank you. Anybody else? Okay. 
raising your hand is just, I think that's just a physical act of your will that I think just opens you to the grace of God. It doesn't save you though. What saves you is, it's confessing that you've sinned. Confessing that you're a sinner, that you're separated from God. It's, but it's also believing that Jesus paid the price for your sin. He paid the price. He defeated your sin. He defeated death on the cross and through the grave. And it also means that you don't just ask Jesus to save you, but you wanna give him control. It's making him the Lord of your life. So if you want that, you just tell him that right now. Just say, God, I know that I need a savior. I believe that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for me. I ask for your forgiveness of my sin. Thank you for saving me. But right now, I ask you to be my Lord. I want you to have control, control of my life. I wanna live for you. God, I thank you for every person that said that prayer. Your word says that when even one person comes to the saving knowledge of Jesus, that all of heaven rejoices. So we rejoice with him, Lord. Lord, I pray that we as a people, we as a church, me as a pastor, me as your son, help us, Lord, to clear out the garage this week. Help us, God, to, to take an honest look at our soul, at our life, our schedule. We're gonna be bold in our approach to you and believing that you're going to move but God, even if you don't, just change us. If you don't change anything, just change us. Help us to see you more clearly, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. We had five or six people, I think, raise their hand to get right with Jesus. Let's give God some glory for that, amen.